0: Hey, Eric, last time we talked about that one big habit that helped change everything, and we got some great responses from Reddit. One of the responses was a suggestion, an app, Alarmy. Did you try it?
1: I did. I actually felt compelled to because it was multiple people on this thread who kept bringing up this app. I did try Alarmy, and I've got to go into this first with a little context, so I guess I'm what most people would say is a morning person. And doesn't take much to wake me up, so I'm also a light sleeper. So my experience with Alarmy probably didn't quite match up with the intended. The general premise of Alarmy is that you fill out a quiz to identify what kind of sleeper you are, and then it proposes some suggestions on how to set up a more intelligent alarm that is loud enough to wake you up and will potentially even ask you to fill out a some kind of a challenge or a quiz or something like that so that you have to actually switch from that grogginess of having just woken up to starting and do some analytical thinking. My experience didn't start out so great because that little quiz up front basically said we're just going to set an alarm for exactly when you need to wake up and we're going to use vibration because you don't even need a an audible alarm. I tried it out anyway it it worked. It vibrated. I woke up. However, this might be part of the design as well, is that I couldn't turn off the alarmy alarm without unlocking my phone and then switching into the app, which didn't happen automatically either. Interesting. So that might be by design. However, it ended up usually just like leading me into like waking up on the proverbial wrong side of the bed. I also didn't want to turn off the uh, bedtime app, which helps me keep track of my sleep habits mostly just like I try and keep track of how many hours I'm getting of sleep over the course of a week instead of night after night. And so I still had basically two different alarms. Normally I'm just rearing to go. I hop out of bed. I'll start making my daughter's lunch for the day and and I'm good to go because I was trying something new and I didn't know exactly how it worked. And like now I have all these like other steps that I have to do. It's just like, I'm not exactly sure this app is for me. However, I think it would work really well for people who do struggle with waking up because those extra steps, those quizzes, you definitely have to address all of that stuff in order to get it to stop trying to wake you up.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what the target is. I took the quiz and I had the same result was that oh you will set it up for vibrate and i was okay whatever that's fine as i've mentioned this before i'm also an apple watch owner so i was like okay great let's like make sure that it vibrates on my watch and then i go find out they don't even have an apple watch app so it's like well if you don't even have an apple watch app and i have an apple watch like that's one of the best things about having an apple watch is having an alarm on your wrist so i was kind of peeved about that and that's why i didn't end up using it
1: Uh, it sounds like we're both in agreement it can be useful. If you have a hard time getting out of bed and if you use your phone as an alarm. And and only your phone. However, if you're a light sleeper or a morning person and don't struggle with waking up then yet another application to wake you up may not be the best fit for you.
0: Yeah, I, I would recommend taking a look at like a sleep cycle tracking app, like Sleep Cycle or Pillow, because those are apps that are supposed to wake you up when you're at your lightest point and it does it within a range. So that might also be worth looking at as opposed to just something that makes you take a quiz. That's a really good point. I'd love to hear thoughts from the audience if you've had a different experience otherwise. Today is kind of a sequel of our previous episode we did on productivity tools and apps. You had set up a top three episode, I want to say last season, and you did top three methods. I did top three apps that I use. Today, I wanted to piggyback off that conversation, expand on it, and talk about more apps that we use based on our last conversation. So, Eric, I will let you go first. What are some apps that you use to help you stay productive?
1: I wrote down a quick list of little things that help me be productive. And then after taking a step back, I realized that almost all of these things are things that I use, and I use them automatically now. Like unless you had asked me to think of some productivity apps, I'm not sure I would just be able to come up with these off-the-cuff, starting with Alfred. Alfred is a tool that allows you to quickly search the web, open up other apps, look up dictionary definitions, which is something I do all the time, do back-of-the-envelope calculations like add a series of numbers or basically treat it as a calculator. Uh, It can do unit conversions as well. And so all you have to do is hit a key press no matter which app you're in, and then you get this small little bar across your screen and then you can just start typing whatever you want and it'll just figure out how to assist you with that. I definitely prefer that to like Siri where I have to speak because I try to keep them at my keyboard as much as possible while I'm working.
0: I love Alfred. Alfred is my number one pick as well as far as an app that's helped me on the Mac. I would say it's worth paying for because it also gives you quite a few other features as well in their power pack. And you could also hook up other plugins. So like for instance, I use Toggle or I use Todoist, there's plugins for both those apps in Alfred. I use it all the time whenever I want to launch an app. It's It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, and I'll second that. It's totally worth paying a little bit extra for the added features and also just supporting the creators of the rest of the apps that I'm going to mention. This is the only one that I have paid money for.
0: I want to talk a little bit about security and privacy and things like that. There are two apps I'm going to recommend for that. I'm a Safari user, but there's an app called AdGuard that You launch on your Mac and then it works with Safari. I'm all about having ads. You got to make money on the net, but it's gotten to a point on some sites that's a bit ridiculous and it just slows down your whole computer. That's why I use AdGuard for a lot of those purposes when it comes to both privacy and just making sure that websites actually run well and aren't just flooded with a bunch of pop-ups and things like that. So you install a Mac app and then you install a Safari extension for that as well. And then the other thing I'll recommend is a VPN that I use, which is EncryptMe, um, and I pay for that. I do a lot of work at coffee shops. So it's important for me when I work at a coffee shop to have my data encrypted because I don't want somebody sniffing anything that I transfer or do work with at a coffee shop or use a public Wi-Fi. That's when I activate EncryptMe and use it. So like, I don't have my iMac, but I do have it on my iPhone and I have it on my MacBook and my iPad. What you can do is like set it up so that if you're at a friend's house, it doesn't use EncryptMe, But then if I use, if I'm at a coffee shop or a public library, I can activate EncryptMe automatically at that time. If you're not going to even look at EncryptMe, I recommend looking at some sort of VPN service to use when you're using any sort of public Wi-Fi. Eric, do you have any recommendations as far as security and privacy?
1: I do. So I use Adblock Plus, which is a browser extension, runs in Chrome and Firefox. Then uh, the other one that I use, I am a Mac user, and I think that the days where you can Just assume that there's no such thing as a uh, virus or malware for Macs over. And so, for antivirus, I use something called Avast, and it's completely free. The only thing was it had these periodic messages anytime it would update virus definitions, which is reassuring to know that it's constantly working. However, I did have to go in and turn those off, and once I did, now it just works and it just scans everything that. I am going to on the web and downloading.
0: We talked about security and privacy. What kind of apps do you recommend as far as managing your passwords and accounts and things like that?
1: For my passwords, I use KeePass and KeePass is an open source format for keeping passwords in their own file. And so... You kind of have ownership of this file. You don't have to rely on a third-party website that may one day just shut down and may or may not give you X number of days to download all your passwords. That just scares me. So I use KeePass, and then I have a bunch of different files for different businesses or groups that I need to use. There's an app for macOS called X. It's actually cross-platform, so it'll work if you're on Linux or Windows as well. And then for my web experience, I use a browser extension called KeePass Tusk. And that allows me to look up my KeePass files and then it will automatically fill in a username and passwords on websites that I visit. One thing I I do like with KeePass is being able to share my personal file with my wife so that we both have access to the latest password we're using for all of the bills.
0: What other apps do you recommend, Eric?
1: Piggybacking on KeePass, I use Dropbox for file syncing and I use that on all of the devices that I have, so phones, tablets, and uh, my Mac. And then I use that to share KeyPass files and other kinds of files just using the free version because those keypass files and a lot of the things I share aren't very large in size. And then for some of the other, it's well known that I'm really into board games. I'm also into tabletop role-playing games. And so I've got a lot of digital material there and it's more than I could keep in Dropbox and I end up using Google Drive. That way I have a bigger bucket in which to keep all of those files. And then I use the uh, Sync app for both Dropbox and Google Drive. To make sure that I also have all of those files on my computer and they're always up to date.
0: Yep. And that's what I use too. I use Dropbox, Google Drive Stream, or whatever the app is for Google Apps. And then I also have the Adobe Creative Cloud as well as iCloud. And I use all four. I try to keep them all organized. So Media Files goes in the Adobe folder, Documents go in Dropbox, and then iCloud will might, might be stuff that's specifically run on my Apple devices. So like keynote presentations, numbers, spreadsheets, pages, anything like that that's specifically Apple-related goes into iCloud. As well as my whole God knows how many gigs of photos I have over the last 20 years that's stored on there as well. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, like I was saying, some of these apps, like until you take a step back and realize what you're using, uh, you might not even realize that you're using a service or a separate app to keep track of some of this stuff because it's so automatic.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about notes and tasks. I use Google Docs. We talked about in Bear in the last episode, but I wanna talk a little bit more about Bear as well. I've been using that and they're supposedly coming out with a web interface soon. Bear is really good. It's for the Mac, iPad, iPhone, uh, and I use it for keeping notes. That uses Markdown to take notes, which I'm pretty familiar with. You can also use hashtags to organize your notes. So let's say like I want only to-do lists, which is what we talked about, Last week, I'll do my to-do list in Bear, and I can just duplicate the previous week's to-do list, and then edit the date, and then edit the to-do list easily in Bear. to is what I use for my to-do list, my actual formal one. Uh, it has collaborative features. You can group things. You can do parent groups. You can share. It also has the ability to integrate with calendars as well. It has a really great API that you can plug into if you want to like customize it. So I use uh, To-doist for that for my. To do list?
1: For my to do lists, I use a uh, Google Doc with a big checklist. And this is like, this is not grocery lists or that sort of thing. For those, I tend to just write them down. But for my weekly task list, I have a Google Doc that. I maintain and then I'll print it out because I like a printed version that I can use highlighters, like cross things off to give me an idea of how my week is going. And then also count my desk as like home base. So like I can always have some finality to the end of my day where I come and like check things off. However, I do a bit of writing. And so some of the things that I wanted to mention were Grammarly. Grammarly is a website where you can paste in text and it will do pretty good and for free spell checking and grammar checking. And it makes really good suggestions. I also recommend the browser extension for that. So it will automatically do its checks on any text box. It's kind of related is I use something called Sky Fonts. So occasionally I will do a little bit of a SVG or logo design or a graphic work. And so I like to go and look at web fonts and sky fonts is a good way to look at a web font, find the one that I like, and then download it and install it automatically on my map. I'm a big fan of that. Like most of the time it's just running in the background and I don't even notice it. But when I get into one of those modes where I'm like geeking out about different fonts and want to quickly install something, it makes it really, really easy.
0: Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Um, Yeah, I've used Sky fonts as well. And then the Adobe suite comes with its own set of uh, fonts that you can use as well. But yeah, it's the same idea. It just keeps track of what you have installed and keeps that in sync. Before we close out, I wanted to mention uh, an app that it's called DND Me. Uh, It's a Do Not Disturb app for the Mac. I use Do Not Disturb, especially like when we're recording a podcast. But what I really like about that is you can set time limits to it. So if I know I'm going to be recording for two hours, I can go into DND Me and it will set a timer for um, how long DND or Do Not Disturb. So I don't get text messages or any other notifications while I'm doing a recording, which is really great. And it keeps me going. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we complete our discussion?
1: Just wanted to add an honorable mention for a Mac app called Rocket. So this makes it easy to type in emoji. It just kind of sits in the background and waits for you to press the colon key. And then when you press the colon, it automatically will try to interpret whatever you type next as an emoji. So like if you start typing colon, slightly smiling face, then it will try and pop in an emoji for that smiling face. So I do a lot of code reviews and I'm just chatting with people all the time on Slack or in emails. And I like to use emoji to break out of that. Like you don't have context and it all seems like plain text and boring and spruce it up with a little bit of uh, color so i am a huge fan of using rocket to just color my writing with a lot of emoji
0: that's really good thanks for suggesting that app i've been looking for something just like that myself we have an announcement to make right eric
1: we do and i wish i could um open up my mic so i could do a drum roll like (laughs) rattle a tambourine or something like that (laughs) i can try it with my voice
0: so we have a book picked for our book club that we will be talking about in our next episode uh that book will be atomic habits by james clear uh, i just actually started reading it it's has a really great intro and a really personal story about him and some of the challenges he's faced so i am really looking forward to talking about this in our next episode i will post a link to uh, some sort of book discussion eric we'll talk about this offline but where where we should have this discussion for this book in case people want to take this online uh and then also if you have any other thoughts or ideas uh, message us at twitter at okproductive uh in case you have any thoughts as well eric what do you think is that a good pick i think it's a
1: good pick i'm pretty excited to also see how it compares to our previous book club review on The Power of Habit, um, because they're very similar, at least on the surface. I also wanted to add for anyone who might want to read along in anticipation of our next episode, if you go to the website, I saw that there are some extra things that you can get if you buy the book there. One of them that piqued my interest was applying the concepts of the Atomic Habits book to parenting. That's really interesting to me, so I I might be doing that, and so there's some extra things that you can get if you pick up the Atomic Habits book on the website.
0: I wish I knew about that. I just needed something to read quickly because I had to do bedtime with the kids. So now, oh man, I should, I should. You're reading Atomic Habits to your kids? No, I, uh, yeah. All right, kids, sit down. It's time for a little story. Yeah. At their age, it might put them right to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Eric.